The free agency is starting this Friday, and we have Rockets insider Kelly Eco on the show to discuss everything Rockets. We're going to be giving an update on James Harden. We're going to be talking about Fred Van Vliet potentially getting the max, some guys that may be traded, and some other guys the Rockets may be targeting. So stay tuned for this episode of the Brad Unwell Show. You don't want to miss it. All right, welcome back to the episode of the Brad and Will Show. I'm your first host, Will. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bias Houston. Um, I'll quickly shout out the Brad and Will page. We just hit a thousand subscribers, so we really appreciate y'all support on that front. And I'll pass it off to Brad. Yeah, as always, uh, Brad NBA Instagram, Twitter. That's where you can find me. Favorite stats, highlights I got y'all covered. Make sure y'all tap the subscribe button. We appreciate y'all for a K, as Will mentioned. We're going to try to run it up soon, maybe hit 2K soon. But Kelly, man, we appreciate you again for coming on the show. Yes, sir. Insider, Mr. Ecosystem himself. So go ahead go ahead and tell people where they can find you. Um, Twitter, Instagram, um, Kelly Eco. It's K-E-L-L-Y-I-K-O. Um, subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to the Ecosystem, wherever you get your podcast, and let's run it up. Yeah, we're going to run it up, and we're definitely going to talk about this free agency stuff because – Rocket, Rocket's Twitter has been, been going wild right now uh, about Fred Van Fleet, but we're going to kick it to him later. We're going to start it off with, with a guy named James Harden. You know, there's been an update on him, and it's looking like he he might not he might just stay in Philadelphia. So what have you been hearing on that front? Yeah, so, you know, in recent days and weeks, it just feels like, you know, that camp has kind of shifted their priorities towards staying in Philadelphia over, you know, the potential emotional return to Houston. It just feels like, from a basketball perspective, you know, this Rockets team is not yet, you know, structured out. There's still things they have to put in place. They're still in the middle of a rebuild. They don't seem like they're willing to give him the max or near max money he's looking for. And, you know, when you look at the conferences, <clears throat> East and West, the Western Conference is a bloodbath. And you could make the argument that the Eastern Conference is wide open, you know, coming off of a season where a team in like the Miami Heat made all the way to the NBA Finals, you know, and the Sixers were up 3-2 against the Boston Celtics in the second round. And if not for a second-half collapse, they could have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then from that point, you know, any man's game. So when you look at the landscape, also bringing in Nick Nurse, a guy that's going to bring some innovation, bring some tweaks, some 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 changes to the offensive system that was kind of stale in that, in that second round particularly, all that makes sense. And then just looking at, you know, his career, you know, because if, if he came back, if he had come back on a short-term deal, if something goes wrong, now you might be in a situation where you have to trade him again. And that, you know, that whole thing could be a whole emotional mess. And I don't think the Rockets are trying to go down that path again. So I think both sides understand that, you know, it's best that they stay apart. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, so you kind of touched on um, John Lucas potentially going to Philadelphia. Right. Like- yeah, what was what was up with that? So when you look at, you know, whenever Daryl James, you know, the old the old the old gang was in Houston, you know, John Lucas has always been a, a big part of everything going on. And, you know, with James losing Sam Cassell, his his guy in Philadelphia, there's a sense that, you know, they've been aggressively going after John Lucas to try and see if he could would join the, on the staff in some kind of role. There is also a job for him in Houston and 
from what I understand, it's more of a uh, liaison type role, trying to like between the front office and also with player development, because as you all know, he's pretty much grandfathered into that organization. Like he's been there through thick and thin and, you know, from top to bottom, there is an enormous amount of respect for John Lucas. So the ball is in his court because up until now, he's kept things pretty close to his vest on what he wants to do. Still going through his options, but the two on the table. Yeah, you know, aside from the James Harden noise, you know, it's been looking like, you know, Fred Van Fleet is going to sign this $83.6 million two-year max um, short-term deal. The Rockets mentioned they weren't trying to give out any long-term money, so they're going with the short-term max for Fred Van Fleet. But, you know, the Rockets have a little bit over $60 million in cap space, Kelly. So if they're giving Fred Van Fleet this max, you know, my ultimate question is, what do they plan to do with the rest of that cap space? Because it looks like they only have around 20 years left after that signing. So I'm not sure of the exact figures for, for Van Vliet, but I do know that, you know, they're they're targeting shorter term contracts at more money. And the idea is if you look at it, it kind of gives both guys it kind of gives both guys flexibility. You know, you're allowed to, from a player's perspective, you know, players want that freedom of movement, they want that ability to move around. And then from from the team perspective, you know, if things don't go out how they as they plan, you can always trade that contract and move on. So uh, for Fred Van Vliet, if if they were to give him a max, I think it was like forty something million, that would only leave, you know, twenty twenty four million in change for for two more guys. So you would have to assume that someone's coming for the mid level, and I don't think that that's realistic. I think you know guys like Dylan Brooks and Brook Lopez can get you know probably more than a mid level now. But um, there are some ways to open up more space, and that's why you hear of them trying to consolidate some players and, and open up a little bit more room because, you know, if you can get to, what, 70 million, maybe 68, now you have a little bit more wiggle room to try and bring in some more guys. So I think that's what the plan is. Okay. And I wanted to touch on really quickly about, you know, Fred Van Fleet coming in. Let's say, you know, this is a guy who's going to come in on two-year deal, hypothetically, and then Amin would probably take over right after. Let's say the Rockets think Amin Thompson is ready before that two-year window. Is this a guy the Rockets expect to move off ball, Fred Van Fleet, and potentially maybe even start Armin in that, in that kind of scenario. What do you think happens there? You think there's any scenario Fred would even want to come off the bench? I couldn't imagine that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Exactly. Not for that money. Not for that money. But um, so my personal opinion, if Fred comes, is that it's kind of how the NFL used to have it, where you would bring in a top guy, top quarterback, and he would learn the system under, you know, the incumbent starter. And then in two years' time, you know, he would eventually be phased out, you know, because I, cause I could imagine in two years' time, I'm not sure if Fred Ventley wants to retire as a Rocket. So, you know, the good thing about those short-term deals is that, so let's say after a year, he wants to go and go play for a contender. There's an easy out. Like if the Rockets gave him a one plus one and he wanted to go play for a contender in year two, I don't think there'd be any problems on the Houston side because Almond Thompson would have had a year under his belt. And if development goes right, he could be given the keys in year two, but that's just an example. But, um, you know, the good thing about having guys like Amen on your roster now is that you, will, you there's time and patience to develop those guys, surround them with the right system coaches, you know, to make sure everything goes smoothly. Gotcha. And then, you know, we've been linked to, to Fred a lot. And then the other guy we've been linked to a lot is uh, Brooke Lopez. I know you said today you think you're a little bit more like closer to 50-50. Um, on him potentially coming back or not. 
but what do you think the Rockets will pivot to uh, if they do miss out on Brooke Lopez? So one name that I heard that they, they had on their list previously was Nas Reed, but obviously he, he's not coming to Houston. But for some reason, the free agent big market, the free agent market this time around for big men is not as robust um, as you would have, as you would have liked. But um, I'm pretty sure they, they have, they have other names in, in mind. They have a big you know, contingency plan if they don't get Brooke or something. So um, if that doesn't happen, I think something else will work out. Yeah. 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 I was hearing the, the stuff with Capella, you know, maybe trading, you know, a guy like Jay Sean Tate, he'll take back like 14 million. I saw that scenario thrown into play, but yeah, I've been curious to see what they do in that instance. Like Kelly's got something going on real quick. We'll give him a quick second, but yeah, man, it's something real quick. Fred Van Fleet, um, if y'all haven't been listening, Twitter spaces are really jumping right now. Will and I have some good conversations and those are always great conversations to, to pull up to if you haven't. But yeah, I was also gonna have Will plug the uh, the watch party. Losers My bad. <clears throat> yeah, you good. All right, yeah. So ultimate question now, you know, Dylan Brooks. It looks like that's almost a lock at this point. If Dylan Brooks isn't the guy, um, is Bruce Brown a guy they go to? Is there a way they get Dylan Brooks and Bruce Brown? Is it looking like a one or the other kind of thing? So on Houston's big board, you know, <clears throat> obviously Bruce. I mean, Dylan Brooks is you know the top wing target, but you know Bruce Brown is up there. Cam Johnson is high up there. With Cam, it's kind of harder because he's he's restricted. But you know, all three of those guys are going to be on their radar come June thirtieth. So, is there a way to get two of them? I'm not sure because Cam's going to get paid. Bruce is probably going to get around the mid level. So, I I I, I, I struggle to see how they could get two of those top names. But you know, nothing's impossible. Before I kick it to Wolf for the next question, when it comes to Cam Johnson, he looks like a guy that's going to be getting a deal that's longer than two years. Would the Rockets even sign him to a deal longer than two years? I've seen people like Detroit willing to offer him maybe $100 million, right, um, on that four-year deal. The Rockets don't seem like a team willing to even, you know, commit long-term money to somebody. So is Cam Johnson really an option if, if it's longer than two years? He, he is, but, I mean, for guys like Cam, I think they're a bit different because of their age and their profile. You know, Cam is a legit 3 and D wing, you know, that kind of fits – in my opinion, fits you know smoother than the Dylan Brooks or whatever. But um, you know, Cam's gonna get paid. Let's let's face it. And I've heard the Nets are obviously they're going to give him somewhere in that range, you know, ninety five to hundred million, you know, potentially, um, because he's at the he's at the age where he fits to a lot of you know teams' profiles in terms of three and D can guard one through four, can shoot over thirty percent from three. You know, that's very highly sought after. So. Um, for a team like the Rockets, I still think I, w- I would I would assume if I was Houston and Cam was available, I would be offering like a two or three year deal, honestly, because you want to maintain as much flexibility as possible from now, you know, going forward. I think the name of the game, the game, NBA is changing. And I, I think the days of guys looking for, I mean, teams looking for four or five year deals are over because now anything can happen at any point in time. So you want to give yourself an easy out, you know, in the worst case scenario. Okay, and then you talked about um, you touched on a little bit earlier about uh, certain guys being kind of moved um, for you know some more maybe some more cap flexibility this off summer. I mean this off season. So uh, you know some of the names that kind of got floated out there. Obviously the KJ Martins of the world. He seems to be one of the most attractive um, trade pieces. But then you also mentioned Josh Christopher and Uzman Garuba. Uh, so like, is there like you know, I guess where are you right now with those guys potentially being moved? 
So as far as I'm gonna start with KJ. So <clears throat> it feels like you know that camp is bracing for the possibility of getting traded. You know, as the as as the days continue to come on, it just feels like we're getting closer to, to a solution because you know, looking at the the roster and, and like the minutes available, when you bring in Cam Whitmore, you still have Tyrese and you're gonna bring in another wing. It just feels like he's the odd man out again. And that, and that sucks for KJ because, you know, he came from a situation where last season he was unhappy because, you know, Eric Gordon and, and Tari, and then he's going through it again. So it just feels like we're getting close to a KJ Martin trade. I just don't know exactly when that, how that'll be, but I feel like we're getting closer. And then what it would, would be for, or is it just, you know, a player? So, a player? so, for, so for KJ, you know, honestly – my gut tells me that if they're going to move KJ, it would be for some kind of draft compensation to open up, you know, a little bit more of that cap room, like in case they have to overpay for somebody and then you want to go get another target and you need maybe a couple more million to get it done. I think that would be, you know, my, my gut. Cause if, if you trade KJ for like, if you trade him to the Clippers and, and you get, and you want like say Covington back now, you, you're taking on less money, like you have less money available to play with in the summer, which isn't really smart. You know, if you're gonna add someone like like Covington, so you want to give yourself maximum flexibility. So if you can move KJ for, you know, a future first or a couple of futures, like a pair of seconds, then I think that's how you get it done. Quick question: um, The Rockets do have to make a decision tomorrow on KJ Martin and Dacia Nix, um, something I wanted to bring up. When it comes to Dacia Nix, is that a guy you think that they're cutting tomorrow and then KJ, you think they're picking that up? So, in regards to Nix, uh, I, I just can't see a future there. I think um, from point guard room alone, you have now <clears throat> Armin Thompson, whoever you bring in in free agency, you know, it's Kevin Porter Jr. to some extent, Ty Ty Washington, last year's first round pick. It doesn't make sense to carry five point guards on the roster. So, I mean, you know, I think he's an odd man out there as well. And then um, what was the other question? Oh, for KJ. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if they're going to trade him, you kind of have to pick that option up before you trade him. So um, I think that's that's the mo- that's the likeliest outcome for KJ. Like, it's to, the team to pick up the option and then find out a trade for him. Got it. Do you want to take this next one, Will? Um. Yeah, uh, if so, if I'm, I'm honest, I'm kind of confused on what this question is. Uh, you said I'm in Thompson starting. So, is there any scenario? You know, obviously, it's looking like yeah, I see you laughing. You know, there's been a lot of discussion lately. You know, people want Amin Thompson to start. You know, he's fourth pick. Right. The question right. is, like, hey, you just picked this guy fourth overall in the draft, so why are we not starting him? So, obviously, if you go in like Fred Van Fleet, he's got that experience over Amin Thompson. But say Fred Van Fleet doesn't come, obviously, Harden's not going to come. Let's say hypothetically they get a guy like Monte Morris, right? So who, you know, is giving the keys in this kind of scenario, or is it more of a just like, hey, you know, you're gonna earn your spot? So, so you know, similar to the draft where you know the front office goes through a number of plans in terms of like potential surprises, that also applies to free agency. So, for example, there is a route that says, what if Fred stays in Toronto? What if he goes elsewhere? You know, there have been some discussions like some plans among the, the myriad of plans talked about in the air, there have been some plans to say, if they don't get one of those two top point guards, 
go hard after a guy like Bruce Brown, who's still on their on their list, who can also handle the ball some, and that would still give room to bring to let Amen grow into that role. You know, get more minutes under his belt. Now for <clears throat> for Amen and Cam, they don't want to do the same thing they did with Jalen and Jabari, which is those guys were thrown to the fire, thrown to the wolves, and forced to survive. Right? They want to do that. They want to be intentional about his development. They want to be structured and they want to be, you know, system oriented. So for Amon Thompson, I think if it's to start, if it's to come off the bench, there's a plan in place. You know, the assistant coaching staffs, Ben Slav and all those guys, they're going to make sure, you know, that everything is done with precision, you know, with intention and with the purpose. So if it's coming off the bench, great. If it's starting, great. But just know that the Rockets... As of today, they know exactly what they're going to do or, or what they're going to try to do, you know, come June 30th. So, and then you talk about um, bringing in a veteran point guard, bringing in some vets. Obviously, that means somebody who uh, Rockets fans want to see play next season probably isn't going to play. So, do you know um, kind of who that guy would potentially be um, is, is in terms of like who gets some minutes next season from this young core? So... You know, going back to what you may kind of said, and this is also goes back to a conversation that, you know, the front office had with the players after last season in terms of um, nothing is going to be guaranteed going forward. You know, you guys won 21 games, 20 games the year before. You know, this is year three of a rebuild, year four, if you want to consider um, the COVID year. But, you know, if you're going to add three vets to this roster who are coming in expecting to play, there's going to be some pretty fierce competition. So I think from the front office perspective, it doesn't matter who starts, but it still matters to an extent that you Notari know, plays. It still matters that Jabari plays. It still matters that Jalen plays. It still matters that Al P plays. Like those, those core four guys, you know, I think it's important that their development goes to plan because that was the whole point of the rebuild, right? Was to bring in those guys and grow them into winnable NBA players. So it wouldn't make sense just to discard them by the wayside just because you're you know, you're bringing in, you know, older, experienced guys. The whole point is to bring guys to augment that process, right? You want to bring guys that is going to help Jalen become a better player, Jabari become a better player, Tari, Alpi. Like, if they if they get supplanted in the in, in the lineup, that's another thing. But the whole purpose of free agency is to add and improve your roster. So, however that decision comes about is up to Ime, and that can't be determined. In June or July, that's going to come in September, you know, October, you know, the, the early training camps, early, those preseason games. So until then, we won't know. Yeah. And before I kick it to, to Will for this next question, I wanted to ask about, you know, Todd Ty Washington, a guy who they drafted last year. It's looking like a lot of these guys could potentially be moved, as we've talked about. But, you know, is Todd Ty Washington a guy that they, that, they, that they like ultimately or they're not looking to trade him? Since he's still extremely young, or you think everybody's on the table? Um, I think everyone's on the table, honestly. I mean, I personally like Tata, and I wouldn't just discard him so quickly because he didn't really get a chance to show what he could do, right? No, this is a guy you took late in the first round who, you know, still showed he can be a capable point guard, but he needs confidence. But now the problem is you brought in a much improved version, six, 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 seven you know, legitimate defender, one through four, sometimes one through five, jump out the gym, point guard, and Armand Thompson. So, you know, and, and you still have Scoot, 
you know, who, even though the coaching staff might not consider him a traditional point guard, can still handle the ball some, can still, can still bring the ball up the floor on some occasions, you know, and set up, set up offense. You know, it's going to be tough. Similar to how uh, Knicks was in a tough spot last season, I think Tata could be in a similar spot. He, he'll have to have a tremendous summer league to really um, put a dent in that, in that roster next season. That makes sense. Uh, so, what were your thoughts on on Cam Whitmore sliding to to pick twenty draft night? Yeah, that was that was surprising. That was surprising. Um, it felt to me like, you know, as as the, as the teams pick on the clock and players are getting selected, it seems like the whole thing about Cam not being a great interview. It felt like that was a snowball effect, and some teams that didn't do as much homework on him, you know. The more he slid, they kind of had their own questions as to is it a health thing? Is it something that we don't know about? And teams just opted for other guys on their boards. So for Houston, they always had Cam. There, there was a, lo- a long period of time where Cam was being seriously discussed as him or, you know, those guys like Thompson and and the Thompson twins and, and Anthony Black and stuff like that. So. Once he was available, and the Rockets tried, like they called, like the minute it went past what pick nine, pick ten, like they they were calling every team trying to see if they can move up. And two times they had it, they had deals in place with teams that said, "Okay, we'll agree to move back if if our guy is not here." But on both times, their guy was there. So the Rockets kind of fell into a very lucky and fortunate situation where two of the guys that they had high on their board were available and. It was a grand slam of a, of a draft night. I want to add something really quickly. Throw it back. Uh, last free agency question. It just came to my mind. When it comes to um, Dylan Brooks, right, you know, Udoka said that he wanted to bring in a guy that was, you know, mature, professional. <laughs> I personally don't think that describes Dylan Brooks. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Maybe he's contradicting himself because it looks like he's every favorite to sign with the Rockets. But then he says he wants mature and professional. Those guys who led the league in text. So yeah. what, do you, what do you think? About I mean, that, that point is interesting. I will say this. But um, first and foremost, Ime is going to you know, cling to guys that that earned their living on defense. And for all of Dylan Brooks' antics, he's a hard-nosed, you know, hell of a defender. You know, yes, he got caught up in the LeBron storm and, you know, social media and poking the bear and saying things he probably could take back if he could. But – you know, coming into a situation like Houston, where you have a locker room of young guys that are looking for, looking for that know-how, looking for that that you know that defensive that defensive mindset, Dylan brings that in spades. And if he can come in and come under Emade Idoka's you know culture and just trying to instill that into the young guys, yeah, his shooting splits aren't great and. He had a down year compared to you know his previous time in Memphis, but I just feel like that whole season in Memphis was 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 just a cluster. Yeah, it was just so much going on behind the scenes, and it was just a mess on the floor, and it came apart at the worst time. But I still think Dylan Brooks is a good NBA player. He just needs to be in a system where development is at the forefront, and so is defense. So I think coming to Houston, you have an opportunity to change that that narrative and kind of rewrite the culture. Yeah, we're talking about in the space today. They just need to lock him and Armin in the gym with Ben Sullivan 
Pretty tight summer. Yeah, that that shooting form is nasty. Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks shooting form is 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 unique. I'll say yeah, that. Definitely, definitely. Uh, oh, and then what are your thoughts on Jabari and Tari? It's something you just kind of you tweeted out now that they're gonna be playing in summer league. Yeah, so I mean, Ben Sullivan, from what I understand, is going to be the is the team's head coach for summer league. But um, Jabari and Tari playing out there, and I think it's going to be like a game. But just to get on the floor, like just showing that commitment to the franchise. Like you want to go and be better. You guys didn't have the greatest season last year, although you know they impressed and they and they they had some real they had some real momentum down the stretch. You still want to get on the floor. You still want to you know show up for your teammates and kind of help Amen Cam Ty Ty get things going. So um, I think it's a good idea. Now I'm not saying they got to go there and play four quarters of all because. The talent level in some league is, you know, considerably less, but it's good to get the legs going. It would be good for those guys to get some early in-game exposure to their new, their new assistant coaches, you know, who are all going to be over there in Vegas. It's going to be a good. It's kind of like a cheat code in terms of um, learning the stuff before training camp starts. So they should have a leg up on the rest of the guys once, you know, camp comes around. Nice, nice. I didn't, I didn't know Ben Sullivan was, was about to be the head coach. Is that, is that breaking news, Kelly? Did you, did you put that on the team? <laughs> yeah, because I was going to put it out tomorrow. So. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Uh, last thing that we had today, uh, you know, there's speculation on the TL. Rockets just changed their, their profile picture. You know, they got oh the my God. old school retro jersey. You heard anything about that? What's going I haven't, on? I haven't heard anything about that. Um, but, hey, they need some kind of change. So if, if, if it brings them good luck. No, I'm all for it, but you know, last season. I mean, I, if you think about it, you know the the logo they've had for so long. I wouldn't say it's it's gotten stale, but every now and then you could benefit from a rebrand, right? So if it sticks, I mean, I think they should crowdsource and kind of get because there are some really talented guys out there that could put together some really nice. You know, I've seen some logos here and there and stuff like that. So. If they if they're serious about trying to do a rebrand and stuff like that for the new, the new culture, the new generation, um, phase two, you know, I think that would be something I would get on board with. But you know, we'll see. Definitely, and we'll we'll close here. You know, free agency as a whole, it's just coming up very soon. We're just going right. to ask you, what's your prediction on, on what goes down ultimately? Like, what what are the things that you're most certain about happens? You know, come this Friday. Um, I think Dylan Brooks will be a rocket. I think. I'm still torn on Brooke Lopez. I, I saw the interview today on ESPN, NBA Today. Um, talked about wanting to wanting to win, but it also mentioned wanting to help guys grow. You know, he wanted to be around guys that you can help them elevate themselves personally. Uh, I'm still kind of torn on him. Um, if the Rockets can, if the Rockets can put, they might have to overpay for that guy, honestly, and and all their guys really, because you know this is a situation where. You know what you're getting into coming to Houston. You know, this is a team that won 22 games, 21 games. has been the bottom of the barrel of the Western Conference for three years running. So, you know, can they get Fred Van Vliet? I think so. But it's going to take, you know, somewhere in that range of, you know, 40 million, you know, anywhere between 35 and 42 million annually to get that guy to come over because, you know, he's, he's leaving a pretty good situation in Toronto. Although you could argue that the Raptors could – are stuck in, the, in third gear as well. But, you know, I think they can get their guys. 
you know, for a, a long time, I thought they were going to get James, but, you know, obviously stuff changed. But <clears throat> in regards to, like, Van Vliet, um, Dylan Brooks, I think they can get them if they really put the money where their mouth is. Brooke Lopez, to me, is the wild card. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Um, again, as always, we got to appreciate you for joining the show. For sure. For myself, you know, y'all always know where to find me at Bridal NBA Instagram and Twitter. Yep. A lot more active on Instagram. Let me see y'all tap in there. Um, and Kelly, man, go ahead and uh, play your stuff. Yeah, time. so just, you know, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Kelly Ego. That's K-E-L-L-Y-I-K-O. Um, subscribe to The Athletic. We got a dollar, dollar a month sale going on right now. Best time to hop on board. We also you know, subscribe to the ecosystem. Just had Jeff Van Gundy on. Should have some more content coming um, for this summer. And just keep keep tapping in. I appreciate the love and support always. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. I I did check out the uh, the Van Gundy podcast this morning. So I appreciate uh, it. Man. Yeah, y'all can check that out if y'all get the time. Um, and yeah, as always, y'all can find me Instagram, Twitter, uh, Bias Houston. Um, that's that's all we got for you today. Though, hope you guys learned some, and we'll, we'll hopefully hopefully have Kelly on another time, man. Kelly's been on the show yes, uh, many times now, so hopefully we'll get him on sometime later. But for sure, appreciate you, Kelly. Appreciate y'all for listening, um, and we'll be here next time.